Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. One of my favorite expressions, which to me sort of offers the essence of resiliency, is we all fall down. It's how we bounce that counts. You educate around the main concepts, then you break it down into smaller skills and make it personal. What exactly do you need to do to recognize your strong mind and feel resilient and behave in a resilient way? And then finally, you wanna reinforce it. You wanna make it a habit. And the more adults around you are saying, wow, you're so resilient and reinforcing the new skills and new behaviors and all those kinds of things, the new mindset, then then you're gonna get a resilient person, kid. That was Alice Carney on Psychologists Off the Clock. We are four clinical psychologists here to bring you cutting-edge and science-based ideas from psychology to help you flourish in your relationships, work, and health. I'm Dr. Debbie Sorensen, practicing in Mile High, Denver, Colorado, and co-author of Act Daily Journal. I'm Dr. Diana Hill, co-author with Debbie on Act Daily Journal and practicing in Seaside, Santa Barbara, California. From coast to coast, I'm Dr. Yael Schoenbrunn, a Boston-based clinical psychologist and assistant professor at Brown University. And from sunny San Diego, I'm Dr. Jill Stoddard, author of Be Mighty and the Big Book of Act Metaphors. We hope you take what you learn here to build a rich and meaningful life. Thank you for listening to Psychologists Off the Clock. Our sponsor today is Uplift Desk, creators of office furniture designed to help you work better and live healthier. I love my Uplift standing desk. It's solid and sturdy and allows me to easily transition from sitting to standing while I work with just the push of a button. The ability to switch from sitting to standing throughout the day has been a complete game changer for me. I feel so much better than when I sit all day and it helps me stay alert when I get tired. In addition to standing desks, Uplift offers ergonomic office seating, storage systems, even walking treadmills for your desk. Everything you need to up your office game. You can get free shipping with no hassles, free 30-day returns and return shipping, and a 15-year warranty. Remember, by supporting our sponsors, you are supporting the podcast. Visit upliftdesk.com slash POTC for 5% off your order. That's U-P-L-I-F-T desk dot com slash POTC to get 5% off your entire order. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am here with Katie Rothfelder, who is our dissemination coordinator, and we thought we'd bring her on because we talk a lot about Praxis, how Praxis sponsors this podcast. They offer online continuing education for professionals, everything from DBT to ACT training to compassion-focused therapy. And 
Katie's had some personal experience with Praxis that I think it would be helpful for you to all learn about. Yeah, Diana, I started out with Stephen Hayes Act Immersion Program, and that was really my first chance to get you know really into ACT. And then since then, I've had these kind of on-demand course opportunities. Um, the one that really sticks out to me is Lou Lasbugato's Feedback Enhanced ACT course, which was this really beautiful mix of instruction for really difficult ACT concepts and then in-depth learning with practice. That grew my muscles as a, a brand new clinician so much. So if you are interested in taking a Praxis course, go ahead and go to our website, offtheclockpsych.com, and we have a discount code for you for some of the live courses. Check them out, Praxis Continuing Education. Hey, everybody. I'm here with Debbie to introduce this episode today with Alice Carney, who specializes in teaching kids about resilience and how to be more resilient. And I wanted to do this episode now. I think it's particularly timely because, of course, we know everybody's struggling a little bit more with the pandemic, but kids and teens seem to really be having a hard time. And Debbie, you even sent me an article from the LA Times yesterday about a Surgeon General's warning related to the struggle kids are having. Yeah, it was really interesting timing because I had been listening to your episode throughout the day as I was driving around town. And I saw this article in the news that the Surgeon General just released a public advisory about young people and mental health. And I took a quick look at it. And it's just basically about how a number of mental health conditions have really been on the rise in in mm-hmm. recent years and that people are struggling. And also that, you know, it's very tough, I think, right now to find enough mental health services to help people. And so it's a, it's a really difficult situation, I think, right now, because so many are struggling and it's hard to find the right services. Yeah, I was particularly blown away by the statistic that I want to say it was the rate of young girls attempting suicide had increased like 50%. Does that, does that sound right? Is that your memory of yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. I, it I was really dramatic. It yeah, was really dramatic. Yeah. It's been on the rise, anxiety, depression, you know, suicide attempts. And the Surgeon General also did, it, it was a cute and funny TikTok, but with Dr. Glaukenfelken, who's a, I think, I don't know how you say it, but he does these very funny, you know, kind of light videos about the healthcare system. And he's a ophthalmologist and he actually got the Surgeon General to do one with him. And it was a video about burnout and how healthcare providers are really experiencing a lot of burnout. And it made me think of this episode and the article you sent me because we have, you know, kids who are in much greater need of mental health services. At the same time, we're having mental health providers experiencing probably unprecedented rates of burnout. You know, everyone I know, for the most part, their cases are full. They're not, you know, their wait lists are long. So as you're saying, it's it's even harder. Like there's a higher need and maybe more limited resources, or there's, you know, a lack of ability to meet that need. And so what I love about this episode is Alice is basically giving us a way that we can help teach our kids, whether it's parents teaching them at home, or whether it's teachers teaching them at school, you know, these really basic skills that can make such a world of difference. 
I think that's part of the mission of us on this podcast is to help people with some of these skills, to learn some skills, some tools so that we can all work on them together, right? And it's not, you know, this podcast isn't meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. That's not what we're saying. But it is, I think it is the case that if we all work on these skills and teach them to kids and teach them to teenagers and work on them ourselves, that it can help. And especially it can help, I think, if someone is maybe going through a stressful time and struggling a little bit, they can get some support and some skills in place, hoping that it will prevent things from getting to the place where they're, you know, really in a real crisis. And so right, I think this episode really fits with that mission of ours. Yeah. And whether it's while someone is on a waiting list waiting for therapy, or maybe they don't need therapy, but they're still doing these things at home to prevent the need from therapy down the road. Or maybe it's even in between therapy sessions. So, you know, when we're talking, most people go to therapy maybe 45 minutes once a week, and then they have all the rest of the time that, you know, they still need to be managing their struggles in the best way that they can. And I think these skills are, you know, a really appropriate way to be practicing in between sessions too. Yeah. And I was just reading something about how some of the emotional intelligence skills, right? Like, understanding your own emotions and knowing how to manage them effectively really is a lifelong skill that serves us well in so many different ways. There's all kinds of research about this. And I think that is the skill that we're really getting at here, right? Like no one, this is not about being happy all the time. That's not going to be the case for anyone. Life can be hard, but what do you do? How do you navigate that? Absolutely. Or as Alice says, how do you bounce? All right, everybody. Well, enjoy this episode with Alice Carney. Hey, everybody, it's Jill here, and I'm really excited to have our guest today, Alice Carney, who is going to talk to us about how to build resilience in kids. Alice has over 25 years of experience as a licensed therapist. She has worked in clinics, schools, and hospitals. About 15 years ago, she opened a full-time private practice outside of Boston at Hope Floats Healing and Wellness Center. She is both a licensed mental health counselor and registered art therapist. She works with people from about 5 to 75 years old. She is positive, strengths-based, and often uses art in the creative process to help her clients gain insight and healing. Concerned about children's and families' rising mental health needs, Alice created the Bounce Box, a fun, educational, and therapeutic kit that raises resiliency in children. You can check it out online at bounce-box.com. Alice, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm a huge fan, so it's an honor. Oh, good. Good. I'm really excited to talk about your bounce box. But before we get to that, let's just talk a little bit about resiliency in general. I think this is one of those words that has become kind of like a, almost like a buzzword in pop culture lately. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and so I'm curious, like, how would you define resilience for our listeners? One of my favorite expressions, which to me sort of offers the essence of resiliency, is we all fall down. It's how we bounce that counts. So I feel like that saying really talks about how knowing that we all fall down, which is one of the first steps of being resilient, it's sort of knowing that bad things are going to happen, and then being able to ride that wave and being able to bounce back from it. That's the definition. I work a lot with kids. So sayings and sort of simple using the word bounce instead of resiliency can be helpful too to to create a mental image. 
Absolutely. And even for adults, I mean, if you listen to Psychologists Up the Clock, you know that the co-hosts all practice a therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy. Yeah. And it there's a heavy usage of metaphors and experiential exercises. And, you know, bouncing is basically a metaphor yeah. and you have a physical metaphor in your bounce box that we'll talk about. And I think, you know, there's a lot of lingo out there in the mental health world. And the more simple we can make it for everyone, the, the more accessible it becomes. So I love that. And you just said what I think is interesting that had never occurred to me before is like the first part of resilience is knowing that life is hard. I might have paraphrased you there. I'm not sure if that's exactly what you said. But I, I mean, I think that's so important because sometimes you have people who wrongfully think life is supposed to just be happy and easy all the time so that maybe they're like knocked down even harder when their expectations don't meet reality. And I think you're saying part of resilience is knowing from the get-go, life is going to be hard. It's not about whether you get knocked down. It's about what you do, how you bounce after you get knocked down. Yes, absolutely. I think that's so true. I love that. I love yeah. that. Is there, this is sort of an odd question, but I was thinking about it and couldn't come up with my own answer. So I thought I'll ask the expert and see, is there a word that would be the opposite of resilience? Like if we're not being resilient, yeah. what are we? So I guess I'm going to do it by thinking. So I'm thinking about being clear-headed, being thinking what resiliency sort of means, being flexible, sort of having a positive mindset. So I guess the opposite is that when you fall down, feeling inflexible, feeling stuck, feeling heavy, those are, and negative, those are, you know, mm -hmm. sort of a, a mindset that doesn't help you to bounce. Mm -hmm. Those are words that sort of come to mind. What I think of the opposite. Yeah. So there's not like a true antonym for resilience. We have this one word that means a lot of different things, resilience. There's mm -hmm. no real antonym to resilience, but there are these qualities that yeah. would sort of depict a lack of resilience. Yes. Yeah. And I guess when I think about it too, I think resiliency or resilience looks so different in everyone. Like what resilience means to you versus what it means to me is so different. Because In what way? Do you think because it's like context or situation dependent or person dependent? Yeah, I think all those things. Sort of what makes me fall down and struggle to get back up would just look so different from possibly what your experience is. What triggers us is going to be different based on our individual learning histories, our cultural background. Those yeah. kinds of things. So what what is more impactful for one person may be differently impactful for another. Yeah. But recognizing that we are impacted and then being able to bounce from that yes. point forward is resilience. Yeah. What got you interested in resilience specifically? Well, so I've worked with kids and families and adults for for almost 25 years, and particularly in kids, the depression and anxiety has gotten so, just the, the rates are alarming. It's just gotten so severe and overwhelming. And I really wanted kids to know that they're mentally strong. I wanted them, I kept trying to think, how do you help kids through this? And in a way, I guess I think of resilience as something that does bridge because you it is a mindset of being able to manage your worries. It sort of can be connected to anxiety, but also to depression and feeling down and stuck. And 
overwhelmed. Those are sort of characteristics of both. What I, and a lot of what I see kids struggling with today. So I thought focusing on resiliency and skills around building resiliency would be helpful. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. I mean, and and you started this well before COVID, but like never has there been a time where that's been more true than right now. I mean, the rates of anxiety and depression were already going through the roof, you know, increasing yep. at a steady rate absolutely. before COVID. And now it's just been... Yeah. amplified and, and kind of going back to that definition, like none of us had any control over a global pandemic and shutdowns and distance learning, you know, hard things happen, how yeah. we're able to come back from those things and, and being mental health providers who can actually teach skills to get people back on their feet is so critically important. It's so, it's so important. Yeah. yeah. And I think parents struggle. They want to teach their kids mental health skills, but often they don't know how. Mm-hmm. So I think parents today, they say mental health is ABCs. It's one, two, threes. We get it. It's so important, but I don't know how to teach it. Yeah, so true. I wish they did more of this in school. And I don't see kids in my therapy practice. I only ever see adults, but I can't tell you how many adult clients have said to me, why didn't they teach this to me in school? If someone had taught this to me in elementary school, I wouldn't need to be here right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's true. I I actually think schools are really, really trying to do integrate that now. Yeah, starting I, at I much agree. younger ages, and they're working really hard. And unfortunately, with COVID, now it's double time. They're mm-hmm. scurrying to get so many more counselors into schools because just getting kids settled down to learn is a huge challenge. I mean, kids haven't been in school; they've had so many different challenges. So they they're really struggling in a lot of ways to even begin the academic part. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I've noticed, I mean, and maybe it depends teacher to teacher, school system to school system. We've been very lucky with our, our teachers in our school. And my daughter has a standing therapy appointment every week. And we were scrambling to, you know, like I'm working. So to get them home from their aftercare program and get the homework done and get dinner and then drive half an hour to therapy and drive half an hour back. And there was one night where my daughter didn't get her homework done. And I normally am not a person who like reaches out to teachers and things like that. But in this case, I just wanted her to know it wasn't Scarlett's fault. It was me picking them up late and did it. Anyway, long story short, she said, you know, therapy is so important and the the kids should not feel pressured Mm -hmm. and stressed. So how about from now on, on Tuesdays when she has therapy, she just doesn't have homework that night. Wow. Right. And I'm I'm like getting choked up right now, just sharing that with you. And I was choked up at the time and was like, oh my God, like this teacher, oh, I'm totally getting choked up. Like she really gets it, you know, to have a teacher that isn't solely focused on academics, sees that these kids are struggling and supports the efforts to do what it takes to get them back on track. It just meant the world to me. And so then there's almost like a whole team that can be involved in kids being resilient and learning how to be resilient. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think if grownups are on the same page around that, to your point, it, it makes you feel so connected and yeah. all we all have the same values around this. Yes. And, and optimistic. It, and I know when mm-hmm. I shared that with Scarlett, I could see her light up. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that like, oh my gosh, like my parents, my, you know, my therapist helping me, my parents are the ones who got me this therapist. And even my teacher understands that this is important. Like I've got yeah. all of these people here to try to help me like bolster, yes, you know, what, what's going on. And, and it also, I mean, it makes me choked up too, because it speaks to how far we've come. Yes. I mean, there used to be such a stigma and the fact that your teacher and your parents and everyone says, oh, that's so important. Mm-hmm. There's... It's just, it's amazing. I, t- I totally agree. I totally We're heading in such a good direction in that way. And I do think that mental health used to really take a backseat and now it's such a front seat. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I totally agree. And, and in some ways it probably, you know, took the pandemic and really seeing what, you know, how much trouble people, people are in. Unfortunately, a lot of times I think it takes that to get us to get us going. But, but I think you're going to be more successful at learning resilient skills. The more people you have behind you, either actively being part of that teaching process, like a therapist or parent teacher, or at least supporting you in doing that. So one of the things I want to talk about is I think sometimes you hear this word resilient talked about resilience talked about as if it's something people have, or they don't have like, Oh, you are so resilient. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, what, what you are all about is that you can teach anyone how to be resilient. So you're saying like, this isn't a quality. These are skills. Like you can absolutely resilient skills to anybody. Yep. Yep. So tell us a little bit about that. How do we teach kids to be more resilient? I think it's almost like how you would teach anyone anything. I think you, you educate around the main concepts, then you break it down into smaller skills and make it personal to what we were talking about earlier. What exactly do you need to do to recognize your strong mind and feel resilient and behave in a resilient way? And then finally, you want to reinforce it. Mm-hmm. You want to make it a habit. And the more adults around you are saying, wow, that's you're so resilient and reinforcing the new skills and new behaviors and all those kinds of things, the new mindset, then and you're going to get a resilient person, kid. Right. Right. Okay. So we've, so, so that's great. That outlines like the process. Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the skills, like when you are trying to teach kids about resilience, like what are some of the specific skills that you're yeah. teaching kids or teaching parents to, to teach kids? Yeah. So I think the first one, of course, is to calm down is because kids get flooded. I always like the word flooded for, you just get overwhelmed and how to float, how to figure out, I got this, I'm okay. So that's usually the first step in teaching resiliency is being able to sort of regulate your own temperature and say, I gotta, I gotta, you know, take the heat down. I gotta cool down right now. So that's really the first step that's super important. And really and that's that, true for adults too, right? Like, yes. you know, in, in like complicated grown-up language, sometimes you hear someone say like, oh, it's like the amygdala hijack, but really, yes. you know, when that, when that like primitive intense emotion center takes over, it's difficult to be able to think rationally, you know, like to, to engage your executive functioning, your frontal lobe. And so to be able to like, get that back on track to soothe the nervous system so that you can get that back on track, you know, in act, we try to make it a point not to send the message like, oh, we have to teach you how to relax because anxiety is bad and it's dangerous and you don't want to feel anxiety. 
right? Because if you're anxious about anxiety, then you're anxious. So it's just like weird (laughs) paradox. Uh And yet to be able to self-soothe so that you're in a place that you can actually enact coping skills, you know, especially for kids, I think is, is really important. So what kinds of strategies do you like to use to teach kids to calm down? So that is so tricky for, I particularly think for parents to help kids to calm down. I think everyone, to your point, you can't say, you need to calm down, and chill <laughs> out. I mean, that makes that me want to punch somebody. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just relax. Oh, yeah. all right. Thanks. Why didn't I yeah. think of that? <laughs> Yeah. And I think also a parent, even just talking to a kid can make them feel more out of control. Like, don't tell me what to do. You know, so, so it really is the most tender, sensitive, tricky thing. I often use, I make lavender bubbles and I have a really simple wand. Sometimes I teach kids how to calm down and take some deep breaths that way. I have, um, lavender scented stuffed animals. I often recommend that parents just like put in a, a, they're on my website or whatever, which, but you know, you put them in the microwave and they're super like a stuffy that's super toasty warm that you just, you seem upset, hand it, leave, you know? So sort of just label it, give a little space and come back and maybe a few words. And probably teaching kids the skills when they're calm. So that when they're like, they can go get their lavender stuffy on their own or their lavender bubbles wet because they've already learned this is what I need to do the next time I'm feeling activated, stressed, worried, whatever the case may be, might be more successful than like trying to intervene when they're at the height of panic. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I always say catch it early, catch it early. If you see just the seeds of anxiety or, you know, whatever it is, stress to help at that time because an ounce of prevention's worth, you know, if you could get in there early, it can really make a big difference much more quickly. My daughter learned, and this is probably a very well-known thing among kid therapists, but it was new to me, which is finger breathing. And she taught it to my son and me, and we've both been using it since then. So for people who don't know, I mean, I'm doing this on video, you can't see me, but you trace your finger. So you go up your thumb and breathe in and then down your thumb and breathe out and up your pointer finger and breathe in and down your pointer and finger and breathe out and do that for all your fingers and back again. And it gives, you know, something to focus on while breathing. And I sometimes will be laying in bed and I'll just picture in my mind going up and down my fingers without even moving my body. And it's been, it's been really helpful. Yeah. And my son will say, it's great to say, Oh, I I had trouble sleeping last night. So I just did my finger breathing. And some kids call it um, roller coaster breathing, which is really cute because you picture like a little car going up the roller coaster and down. But yeah, that's a wonderful that's very technique. Cute. Well, and that's a good point. I think, you know, you can modify these strategies for different developmental stages. Mm-hmm. You know, like a 15-year-old might think roller coaster breathing is dumb unless they love roller coasters, but a five-year-old might think that's super cool. Or maybe they're yes. terrified and they don't like that. But, you know, that's where that tailoring comes in, depending on who it is that you're seeing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It really is sort of individual skills. You have to tweak it. Right. To make it fit that person, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And I always like to say, like, there's a lot of right ways to do things and that parents should trust that they know their kids, pro- you know, know their kids probably better than the, the therapist even or or teacher. And if you, you know, try everything out, if something's suggested to you, but at the end of the day, 
you know, you'll, you'll know what's a good, good fit for them and to, to trust that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a great thing to tell parents. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, so first we want awareness. I think you said was kind of the first, the first piece. Then we want to calm down and get mm-hmm. to a place where you can even be able to practice other skills. What, what else would be some resilience building skills? I think to be aware of your thinking so that you can recognize it. to our point around when you feel overwhelmed, sometimes you have sort of distorted thinking. So you might be overly negative, like this is the worst day ever. I'm so stupid, that kind of stuff, or this is never going to work. There's just lots of ways that our thinking starts heading in a bad direction. And so you want to keep that in check so you can sort of have the, okay, I got this attitude. So that's a part of thinking and mindset. That's sort of the next important step in learning to be resilient. Mm -hmm. And we talk a lot on the podcast. I should say our guests talk a lot on the podcast (laughs) about Carol Dweck's work and growth mindset. Yep. And, you know, this is even a type of thinking we can teach kids. I know a lot of times in school, they learn the power of yet. Yes, so if I love they're it. thinking, I am so bad at division. I have no idea. I'll, you know, I'll never know how to do math to shift that mindset into, I don't know how to do long division yet. Yet. But <laughs> yes. I'm working on it or I'm learning or, you know, the harder I try, the more likely it is that I'll master this. And so that it's more about effort and process and progress rather than whether I know this or don't know this or whether I'm smart or not smart. Yeah. And that's a great to not when if a kid's upset and you're trying to work on resilience, I think to comment on the mindset is so much more helpful, whether it's positive or negative than the content. So not Mm -hmm. focusing on the math or the grade or any of that to say, you know, to your point, I love the way you're thinking about that. I love your effort. I love how you're being so compassionate towards yourself or kind to yourself. There's So yeah, that can be really helpful in learning to be resilient. Hey, listeners, if you've loved learning about acceptance and commitment therapy on the podcast and you're a clinician who wants to incorporate more ACT into your clinical work, I have just the training for you. I'm offering my Breakthrough ACT Techniques and Experiential Exercises, a clinical roadmap to help clients overcome psychological distress through PESI. This is an on-demand training that you can access at my website, jillstoddard.com learn. This is an interactive way to really bring your clinical work, especially your work with ACT, to the next level. You will get six CEs, and I hope to see you there. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So you mentioned your lavender bubbles, which I actually happen to have right here in front of me. And what we're really talking about with a lot of these skills are cognitive behavioral therapy skills. Mm-hmm. And you have created this cool bounce box that for people who are listening and can't see us, there will be pictures of this on our website and we'll link to Alice's site. But it is the cutest, it looks like a lunchbox, like an old school metal lunchbox. And there are all sorts of goodies in this box and it's called the bounce box. So, you know, right, we're teaching kids to bounce, to be resilient. And it's like this really fun, colorful one-stop shop for not just kids to learn how to be resilient, but for a therapist, if the therapist has the bounce box or parents, I think especially, you know, parents at home, like you were saying, parents want to know how to help their kids, but don't necessarily know how. And the bounce box basically hands you these tools to be able to work with your kids. So walk us through, like, this is a whole experience, you guys, by the way, I have my bounce box and like opening it. And there are these cards and it walks you through what to do and how to do it. And so tell us a little bit about, tell us about the bounce box. And then I'm also really curious about the, where this idea came from. Sure. I would love to. So the, the bounce box It's basically, I realized a lot of interventions I use in my practice could be put into a box and help people at home. And to your point, they would be better served to learn together, to have a shared language, to have a really fun bonding experience when you're playing with the toys and reading the book and coloring together while you're learning about resiliency is so much better. So for example, there was a a little girl I've seen for almost a year And she's a little shut down and quiet. And sort of towards the end of the year, I came out with a bounce box, gave one to her, and it made a much bigger impact. Their whole family loved it. They had all this sort of non-threatening, fun language to talk about having a stretchy brain. You know, as I said, it means something different to every person, but they all had these tools and skills to help her and the other kids. So the other kids ended up having other ways that they wanted to be resilient. But anyways, so the bounce box, basically it's a little system. The instructions are very simple, but there are certain steps. And the first step is to read the book. And the book is about two frogs. It's cute and rhyming, but it lays out the main concepts of being resilient. Then there's a coloring fun activity book and again these are to be done together so you do it adult caregiver child family you do it all together and the activity book breaks the concepts of resiliency into smaller skills and it leads to conversations about obstacles that might get in the way what are your up thoughts what are your down thoughts meaning thoughts that are sort of positive and inspire you and help you move forward what are your negative thoughts that maybe are not so healthy not so helpful and then it comes with lavender bubbles so you learn to calm down let things sort of float away let things let your negative thoughts sort of go which is always a great skill and then the final step it comes with I'm going to call it a reward system but or a reinforcing system where 
there's a ball in the kit and the ball does not bounce, which is, that's not an easy thing to find. Like if you went to drop this ball onto the ground, it would just sit there. So it's a bit of a metaphor for not being resilient, not being bouncy. And then when you, then the parents are given or caregivers or adults are given a bag of these big, fun, colorful rubber bands. And when you see your child using their stretchy brain, turning a negative thought into something more positive, learning to, you know, sort of calming down in situations, you say, wow, you you are so bouncy. Here's a colorful band and they can wrap it around the ball. So they're earning bands and the ball gets bigger and bigger and bouncier and bouncier. So as your ball learns to bounce, <laughs> as your child <laughs> learns to bounce, if right. that makes sense. So it totally kids love sense. it. Yeah, They do love it. I have to say, this is so incredibly clever. I love it. My son loved it. And it it is a reward system because he was so motivated to want to add rubber bands. And he's a really curious engineer type brainy. Oh, you know, he, he just put a popsicle in juice and put it in the fridge to see what would happen after a few hours, you know, then he'll put it in the freezer to see what will happen. Like he just always wants to see what will happen. So he really wanted to see how this non-bouncing ball was going to turn into a bouncing ball, but he had to put the rubber bands on first to see, you know, so he went through, I'm looking through the book now. So the first book is called educate and that's kind of the Mm -hmm. psychoeducation. And the second one is called collaborate. And that's the activities you were talking about. You know, in addition to the changing your thinking, there's one that circle all the things that are flexible. So they're learning about flexibility, which I love. There's other suggestions for how to feel better, like singing a song, going outside, playing with your pet, asking for a hug. So in the beginning of the book, on the very first page, where it says, what does it look like when you feel up, happy, and full of energy? Draw this below. And my son drew a picture of a circle inside the forehead. So I should say, so there's like kind of like a, a, a figure drawing of a person, but it's blank. So you have to fill things in because what would you be thinking about? What would your face look like? And he drew a happy face with a picture of like a circle in the forehead and then labeled it poop. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. That's as happy. This, this is up thoughts. Uh Uh-huh. And then like the next page is like about down thoughts and what would your body be doing? And I think this might be a picture of somebody peeing or maybe pooping. So that was a question I specifically wrote down that. mm, And what do you do when you have kids who are at that exact age where every single thing on their brain is potty humor? But one of the things I remember reading in your, you know, you have a lot of good, simple and short, but great instructions to the caregiver that's collaborating to do this with the kid. And, you know, it, it basically, it was saying, don't be stingy with rewards. If they're even interacting with this material, then go ahead and give the bands away freely. Yes. So I let him have bands even for pee and poop and, you know, on the, <laughs> There's a page with a bunch of thought bubbles that you're supposed to write down your thoughts. And he didn't write words, but he drew faces with all different expressions. You know, even like the the, the eyebrows that turn in to show an angry face. Yeah, kids, um, when you say that, now they are into emojis. They're into emojis. There's no words. <laughs> right. It's like all yeah, it's emoticons. Emojis. And, you know, I had this thought like, oh, this is actually teaching me to be flexible, too, because I got... I became very aware of my own rigid thinking around how you do this in a way that's right or wrong. 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. But having those instructions that were like, just kind of like, you know, don't be stingy with the bands. Those aren't your words. Those are my, my words, but it helped me to be a little bit more flexible. And he was so happy when he could add bands and test it out. And it was almost like every time he added a band, he'd bounce it to see how many bands do you have to add for it to like really become a bouncy ball? Yeah. It's a bit of a science experiment for him. It is, which, well, and it's great. I mean, kids are naturally curious and they like to know how things work and, you know, and then there's magic markers that come in the box for the Mm -hmm. activity book. And there are lots of them in all different colors. The rubber bands are in all different colors. They ask me if they can use the bubbles. Of course, I'm afraid that they're going to dump the whole thing out, which is what usually happens with bubbles. But so far that has not happened. They seem to take the box. There's a little more like reverence that they have toward the box than like the bubbles we get at the dollar store, you know? Yeah. And (laughs) usually when I send people the box, I put it in a bag and it says grownups are the boss of this box Mm -hmm. because I do like to keep it special. A grownup, you know, it's something to do with a grownup, a special time. It's not subcontracting out like, okay, we're going on a road trip here. Take this box and do it in the back seat. Right. Right. And I think because it's like aesthetically pleasing to look at, it's colorful. So, you know, I think it makes kids there. It doesn't feel like homework. It doesn't feel like it's even like therapy homework. You know, it feels like it's something that's fun, but it's almost like secretly has this ulterior motive to it, you know? (laughs) Like yes, the kids definitely. don't know that they're that they're becoming yeah. resilient by engaging with the box. Thank you, because I really worked hard. I I did so many versions of it where it, it was just so dry and boring at at first, and so instructional. And I was like, "Geez, I got to make this fun." So then I thought, "Oh, I'll do mini markers. They'll be you know, and trying to find the best bubble wand and yeah. that kind of stuff." So I'm glad that it was. I really wanted it to be appealing to kids. Mm-hmm. and helpful to adults. I, th- and yeah, have, I think and it have is. Bond yeah. And have fun and do it together. So it was a nice connecting. And I also think that takes so often when you're, even if you're in therapy and you're given homework, it just has such a heavy vibe to it. And I wanted right. this. I feel like you learn so much more when you're relaxed and you're light and you're having fun. Well, just the and word kids homework really, is yeah. where you have that association. And this feels more like play, you know, mm-hmm. that you're learning, but it's play. You know, the other thing I want to say about the collaborative piece is that even though it's designed to be done with an adult or caregiver, you know, kind of along these lines of of homework, I know for me, I'll just admit having to do homework with my kids, you know, their school homework, if I have to help them, it's painful for all of us. It's something I think we both dread. Mm -hmm. This has such a different feel to it where I think you even, correct me if this is wrong, but I think you even say in the instructions, like to just do a little bit at a time, like you don't sit down and just plow through this box in one night, Mm -hmm. right? Am I remembering that correctly? Yes, that's absolutely right. When they're engaged and focused, do it. And if they all of a sudden are looking out the window or picking their nose, just let it go. They're done. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, so I love that. And it's not, you know, this isn't a thing that I'm like, oh, we have to open up. The kids want to go into the bounce box. Oh, you know, sometimes they ask you to play a game that you've played a million times and you're like, oh my God, I can't take another minute of Candyland. Like it's <laughs> supposed to be fun, but like, maybe it's fun for them. It's not so fun for you. But I, I never have that feeling with the bounce box. Like they're just the way that it is put together. I feel like it is There's nothing about it that is a burden or that you dread or that feels like homework. You know, it's just a really nice way to, you know, 
do engage with something together that's that is you know clearly teaching them something cool mm-hmm. and that they seem to be into without this sense of like I have to do this or you know what I mean which is oh, I think so that's a very hard balance to strike and you've done that well <laughs> thank you yeah that's wonderful feedback so I'm glad that it feels that way because I really wanted it to feel that way I didn't want it to, and I did I really tried to keep it sort of short and simple and you could put it away and then like like we're saying about resiliency you could almost revisit it later and talk about you could take the ball and the bands out and redo a sort of reinforcing system for the yes. next sort of obstacle that might come up in yeah. their development. But Well, and one of the things I love about metaphors with adults too, is that it gives you this really easy, instant, common language. Mm-hmm. So if I were to say to my son today, you know, if we haven't looked at this bounce box in a few weeks, and I said to him, to, if he was having a hard time today, something happened at school. And I said, like, you know, what do you think you would need to do to bounce? Or what's one, what's one thing you could practice to get a rubber band to put on your ball? And that'll be like his instant signal of like, oh, I could blow bubbles or, oh, I could do finger breathing or, oh, I could think, you know, try to think more positively about this situation. Yeah. And it doesn't take a lot of talking to get back uh-huh. into that space. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's sort of non-threatening language. It sort of focuses totally. on the positive. Like you're super bouncy. What do you need to do to bounce? I know you're a bouncy guy. Mine so was guy. quite literally a bouncy guy. So that <laughs> works very well. <laughs> yeah. So here's a bit of a challenging question. I, I think that fits because we're talking about doing this in collaboration with adult caregivers. And, you know, one of the things I was thinking about is when like in more like adult professional circles, you know, in, in businesses, corporations, organizations, you'll often hear people saying, you know, teaching individuals how to be resilient is insufficient. So for example, right now with COVID and healthcare, you know, maybe the hospitals are like, here, go do this free meditation or this yoga class, we'll pay for it. And the the criticism is, okay, that's nice. Like that's all fine and good. And we all know meditation and yoga, yoga is good for people, but when what's causing burnout in these individuals is organizational and systemic issues, and those things aren't addressed, then, you know, all the yoga in the world isn't going to be the answer. So translating this to, you know, kids and resilience and what we've been talking about, I'm wondering how often do you find that a lot of the challenges that are going on with the individual kids or clients are in large part due to like family systems or home environment issues And if that's the case, like, is there a way to circumvent? Like, what if you have parents who are part of the problem and aren't willing to do the bounce box together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, well, the reason I did it collaboratively and tried to sort of take myself out of it was exactly for that reason, so that a whole family would have language. Because I do think that that is a really hard thing. And schools are using them to to have all the language and they'll they'll use them in the classroom so they'll be the bubbles are there to help kids calm down there's like a little calm down station and kids are earning bands and it sort of often does connect with the language that schools are already trying to use to incorporate more mental health skills into the curriculum but it is hard i mean i do think that that's why i sort of did it this way because I sort of feel isolated as a therapist in terms of I work with schools, I work with families, but I can't, 
make bigger changes, but this is a small way to get people together and in a non-threatening, fun approach to start to change some of the language and mindset around resiliency. So, but it, but that's, that's a very true point. Yeah. Yeah. That there are bigger systems. And, and I think, you know, the, the idea is like, we can't expect kids to just do this on their own. And the ideal is that they have caregivers at home that are willing to do this with them together. And if they don't, then hopefully they have access to a therapist, a school counselor, somebody Mm -hmm. that they could work on these skills with. And, you know, gosh, the more we can get this stuff into schools, yep. I, I mean, I think that's it right there that, the you know, free public schools, if we can be focusing on social and emotional development for, yep. for kids early on, you know, yeah, a school system comes. just in my town just bought 12 and they, I mean, mm-hmm. I think more and more school in Pittsburgh, there's there, it's all over where they're, they're using them with, individuals, groups, and in classrooms, which is great. great. But even your story about your daughter, I mean, to hear, Mm -hmm. I really think more and more everyone's valuing mental health and everyone realizes we've got to put time and energy into this if we want our kids to be okay. Yeah. Yes. And especially people who care about kids like teachers, they want those kids to be okay. And I don't know whether they're thinking about this, but I certainly think of it as their jobs will be a lot easier. You know, yeah. their job, you know, they're now teachers are no longer just educators. You know, they have so much more pressure on them to be taking care of a lot of these more emotional and behavioral issues. And it's just a lot, you know, it's yeah. a lot. Therapists are trained to do this and we're all burning out. So I know, you know, for teachers to be to be having to deal with this too. My my daughter, same teacher who took her homework away so she could go to therapy also did a several week, I think, or several day unit. I mean, she had like a 60 slide PowerPoint presentation that she was doing little chunks of each day or each week that was all about positive thinking. It was cognitive restructuring, but not called that because it was for eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, you know? And I looked through it and it's fantastic. It's cute. And it's there. It's, you know, top-notch cognitive behavioral therapy skills that she's I don't think it's the curriculum in our town, but she has chosen to yes. implement this with her students, which I think is so special. We're really it's looking. amazing. And to and to your point too, even I mean kindergarten. I think every kindergarten has a morning meeting to check into how you know connection. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? That whole thing to start the day. Yeah. So, and I do think to your point, none of this can be done alone. We have to support each other. We have to find ways to work together to make things better because it is a, it is a bigger system problem. You're so right. You're so right. And even though things are getting better and moving in the right direction, there still is quite a bit of stigma. And, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot on the podcast is common humanity, this idea that we're all suffering in some way at different points. And the more we talk openly about this, the more we see like, oh my gosh, you too. Like I'm not alone. We're all in this together. We're all connected. And I think the more teachers and parents and therapists, you know, even me being open about the fact that my kid is in therapy, you know, maybe people out there are saying, oh, me too. And that I just will reduce the stigma more and more, the more we normalize this. And and I think you're right. The more we can kind of be together as a team to help support one another. And I do think that's, was a silver lining of the pandemic because it was, it was, it's happening to all of us. 
and everyone might experience it differently, but we are all in it together. Mm-hmm. So, and it was such a strange experience as a therapist when you have your client saying, I can't teach my kids and do my work or I'm so out of whack, my sleep, my, you know, and of course I'm sitting there going, yeah, I hear you. Me too. Me too. (laughs) So yeah, I think we're all having that experience. We've got to come together and we're all, and you say this on the podcast all the time. We're just more alike than we are different. Yes. A hundred percent. So true. Tell me, I just realized one important thing I didn't ask you is what ages is the bounce box appropriate for? Well, so the book is cute and rhyming. So it's, it's for three to 10, but okay. I do yeah, think. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Elementary school age kids. Yeah, basically. definitely. Yeah, pre, preschool. The only thing, yeah. There's some 10, 10-year-olds that you might want to say, read me the book or, you know, let's do it with your little sister and read it to her, you know, because the book could feel babyish. Mm-hmm. So you might have a 10-year-old who thinks they're a teenager or something like that. And vice versa, you might have a really young three-year-old. So you, so you might want to gauge it, but it's three to 10. Well, maybe that's your next project is like the bounce box for tweens and teens, you know, something yes. that's like that ages the ages up a little bit into that, you know, 10 to 15 or whatever age. Right? Yeah. And I do think kids love to learn about mental health. They like to talk yeah. about it. They want to feel mentally healthy. So I do think about that. A lot of people have approached me and said, we need a balance box for tweens and teens because yeah. I think they'd eat it up. They, they would like that. So. And so what is next parents. for you? Is that, on the, <laughs> is, is that, is that part of the plan or what, what's next for you, Alice? So I'm in the process of trying to get the box on Amazon and I just want to get the word. This is such a gift to be able to talk to you because I want to get the word out. It is a great product. Any kid, it doesn't, you don't need to have any mental health issues. Mm. Anyone would benefit from this. And I do, again, an ounce of prevention's worth a pound of cure. I really wanted to make it a box for young kids. So to your point, you learn these skills at a really young age. So you're set up for being a teen or an adult. But that is such so a I, great point. If this bounce box could put me out of business, I would be totally on board with that. <laughs> right? And, and right. really like, not only do your kids not have to have mental health problems to have it, like get it now while they don't. And maybe yes. it will prevent them going down that road in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I realized I don't want to be in the job of putting out fires. I'd like to be in the job of fire prevention. Totally. So that was another reason why I sort of came up with the kit. Um, Yeah. So I do have ideas for lots of different other boxes, but in the meantime, I'm trying to get on Amazon and just spread the word because you, I have it in some toy stores. I have it around, but you don't walk in and say, oh, a bounce box. I need that. Right. (laughs) It just doesn't speak to you in a way that it's sort of a little out pardon the pun, out of the box. So, <laughs> um, so it just trying to spread the word Yeah, that it's well, out there. It's very cool. I'm glad that we can help you spread the word from Psychologist Off the Clock. Tell me if people want to find you, find out more about you and about the bounce box or order yep. the bounce box, Where what's the best place for them to find you? AliceCarney.com. And my name is sort of weird. It's like Kearney. It's K-E-A-R-N-E-Y. So AliceKearneyCarney.com. And then Bounce-Box.com is also where you can find out more about the Bounce Box. Perfect. And we will link to all of those places in our show notes. 
Thank you, Alice, so much for being here. This was such a cool conversation. And now that I have the whole bounce box out, I'm sure when my kids come home today, they're, they're going to be right back on (laughs) drawing pictures of of poop so they can earn more. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Poop is in. (sighs) Oh, geez. I mean, even as an adult, I still laugh at. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here and good luck with everything. Guys, check out our show notes, bouncebox.com, alicecarney.com. They make great holiday gifts. Yes. Thanks for being here. All right. Thank you, Jill. Thank you for listening to Psychologists Off the Clock. If you enjoy our podcast, you can help us out by leaving a review or contributing on Patreon. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'd like to thank our strategic consultant, Michael Harold, our dissemination coordinator, Katie Rothfelder, and our editorial coordinator, Melissa Miller. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. If you're having a mental health emergency, dial 911. If you're looking for mental health treatment, please visit the resources page of our website, offtheclockpsych.com.